Thank you, worship team. And I am not Dr. Varner, but I, I did feel like I needed to uh, introduce Dr. Varner. It's, uh, although, he, you, you, although you know him, you've heard him preach before, maybe some of you don't realize why he's here today. Uh, you know, Dr. Varner served this church through the last three and a half years by uh, filling the pulpit several, almost a year, I think once, once a month for, the last, uh, for that year that we headed into this service, and so the elders thought it would be a really good bookend, not only to end this time of a search, but to, to start the, the next uh, years to come in ministry. And so, please welcome Dr. Varner. Thank you. It is, you know, it's sort of like accepted to say, you know, it's a great honor to be here, but I mean it. I really, I really, I'm not just making nice. It's a great honor to be here. It really is. Uh, It's been uh, over a year since I spoke here last. Thank you for allowing me to get involved, more involved at Grace Baptist Church where our membership is. And uh, that's over a year. That's uh, time for me to prepare a new message (laughs) and time for you to recover from my last one. Yeah, so, uh, now, Pastor Chris, uh, and and I've I've asked him if I could call him Pastor Chris, if I refer to him that way, and he said yes. Um, I don't remember ever preaching at an installation service. I might have, but I I don't remember, okay? So, I think this is the first time I preached at an installation for a new pastor. So, what do you say? What do you say? Um... This afternoon at four o'clock, I'm not advertising, but I, but at Masters they have the first of three uh, special Psalms uh, musicals, and uh, uh, this afternoon at four, it's the music is set around Psalm 23, and they've asked me to give a devotional on Psalm 23. What do you say on Psalm 23? I mean, everybody knows Psalm 23, so I was a bit perplexed. Uh, what do I say? at an installation. The first question is, do I preach to the congregation uh, where this brother is being installed? Or do I preach to the brother being installed? Okay. Uh, Am I to say what you need to hear uh, as you welcome a a new pastor? Or do I say something to him uh, that uh, this is what you need to know, brother, (laughs) Uh, as, uh, as you start? Well, I'm going to try to do both. But I'm going to do it from a text that you might find odd. Turn to Revelation, excuse me, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 3. I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 13, excuse me, not Hebrews 3. I'm not nervous or anything. I'm just stumbling all over myself here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. And the text that I'm going to take may seem, might seem a little bit odd for uh, uh, the uh, installation of a new pastor. But I hope to show you that it's very, very relevant. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen and amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, how do I take that text and apply it to a congregation that's beginning a new chapter How do I take that text and say something of value 
to uh, the brother and his uh, wonderful family who are beginning their ministry here. Well, you look in the context. Years ago, we heard a text without a context can be a pretext. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so uh, this text may seem to be dropped into Hebrews 13 from above without any consideration for the context. Uh, This is a very practical chapter. Paul starts off, Paul, well, Paul, Paul, small, uh, Mr. Uh, Author, whoever he is, okay? Uh, Very, very practical, all right? Let love of the brothers continue, verse 1. Do not neglect to show hospitality, verse 2. Remember the prisoners, verse 3. Marriage, verse 4. Don't uh, allow your life to be characterized by love of money, verse uh, uh, 5. In the midst of this very intensely practical chapter, all of a sudden he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. (laughs) Mary had a little lamb. His feast was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. The lamb was sure to go. Uh, You know, it's like, what has that got to do with its surroundings? But yet, if we look at this, I'd like to suggest there's a message here both for the preacher and the one to whom he will be preaching. Now, uh, so, um, uh, it, this, this text is sandwiched between uh, two statements about your leaders. Look at verse 7. Remember your leaders. And then later on, after a few verses, it says in verse 17, obey your leaders. It sounds like that is advice for the congregation, and it is. Remember your leaders in the past. Obey your leaders in the present. We'll talk about that. That's the message for you today. The message for the new pastor today, as it is for everyone, is in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again, what does that have to do uh, with uh, a preacher? Look immediately prior. I've already mentioned it. Verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you and consider the result of their contact, conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again, you say, what's the connection? The connection is this. Congregation, don't forget your leaders. Congregation, don't forget your past leaders. But leaders come and go. You've experienced that over the decades of your ministry. Pastoral leaders come and they go. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You got it? That, I think, is the connection. Remember your leaders. Honor your leaders. And I think the focus in verse 7 is probably on the past. Remember your leaders. Now, notice the past tense. Who spoke the word of God to you. Remember those past leaders. Don't you dare forget them. Some of you would say, there's a few I would like to forget. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't forget them. Don't forget them. Don't forget Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob was here when we landed in California like you landed in California. 
Pastor Bob was here and he was so gracious to us. I don't know if he's watching. Hi, Bob. Uh, uh, But if he is, we remember you. And you know what, brother? If you're watching, in 2005, when my 25-year-old daughter died in an accident and we were not attending here, you called. You called to offer comfort to us. I remember you, Bob. Remember your leaders, okay? As you welcome a new one, remember your past ones. And now remember your present one. That's the first word to uh, the congregation. The second word to the congregation is, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, to the pastor. Uh, uh, Jesus never changes. He's always here. Leaders come and leaders go. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I'm a theologically orthodox fella, I, I believe. I believe in doctrine. But this verse, as amazing as it is, is not just teaching the immutability, the eternality of Jesus. It is teaching that. But it's using the eternality and the immutability. Do you know those words? You ever heard eternality and immutability? Yeah, he, he, he understands it. He said he did. Uh, you know, he's forever. He, he, he does not change. Even though pastors come and go, leaders come and go. People are born and they get married and, and they die. And, and you see that in your congregation. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so uh, remember that. Remember that. Uh, and pastor, remember that. I'm preaching both to the congregation and to the new pastor. Uh, Jesus never grows old. What will I preach? Uh, how can I tickle the ears of people this Sunday? No, that's not what you want to do. Yes, you want to be relevant. But Jesus is always relevant. You preach Jesus, you're always going to be relevant. So remember, your leaders, they come and they go, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's something else. Why it's important Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's pre-existent. He is God. He will always be God. And he will reign forever and ever Why is that important? Because doctrines come and go. Bad doctrines. Look at verse 9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. Varied and... What's that got to do with verse 8? Human teachings change. Human teachings come and go. Cults arise and more cults arise. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why the verse is not taken out of context. Now, forgive me. You probably have heard this before. You get tired of it. But this church is situated in an interesting canyon. (laughs) You've probably discovered that. Go out of here and turn left and Sand Canyon becomes Colt Canyon. 
You say, yeah, we, you know, we are reminded of that. Okay, good, good. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The cults come, the cults go. Be not carried away by varied and strange teachings. Jesus is the same forever and ever. So this verse is not taken out of context. The one true living, ever living, eternal son of God is our message, pastor. Even when the cults come and the cults go. I'm glad when you pull off of 14, you come here first. You ever notice that? You come here first, yeah. Because it's downhill from there. All right, yeah, yeah. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, uh, your leaders will change. Doctrines will change. But Jesus never changes. It looks like he's going to be off to a good start. John 1, the Logos, the word. He is always relevant. Preach him. Preach Jesus. He's always up to date and relevant. Preach Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you remember your leaders. Now, one more thing to you before we try to bring this to a conclusion. You know what somebody told me? You know, we're praying and say, you preach a long message. Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I'm not going to go over today, all right? right. I'm not going to go over today. But I want to say this. It's one more word to the congregation here. Look down at verse 17. He's already said, remember your leaders in the past. Now he says, I believe, obey your leaders in the present. Look at it, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they will do this with joy and not with groaning, for this would be unprofitable for you. The message uh, uh, to the pastor today is preach Jesus. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. The, the message to us as his congregation is remember your leaders, now obey your leaders. Now, pastors sometimes are in a very difficult position when it comes to issues like this. If we preach about money, and let me tell you, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about any other subject. Can you believe that? But if a pastor preaches about money, you know what he's doing, honey. What's that? He's preaching about money, honey, because he wants a raise. <laughs> it's a curse upon us. If we, you know, because, but, but yet the Bible says to be generous, folks. And also, what's my attitude to be to this new pastor? Obey your leaders. It's hard for the pastor to preach that. Guys, listen to me. Obey me. You see what I'm saying? We're, We're in a tough spot here. It's hard for us to preach about money. And it's hard for us to preach what the New Testament very clearly says. You are to submit to your leaders... Yes, and obey them. Of course obey them as they obey Christ. I know that. But it's hard for a pastor to say that to the congregation. So let somebody else say it. 
So let somebody else say it. So, so, so he, he doesn't say, leaders, tell the people to obey you outside the congregation. He says, guys, obey your leaders. So I'm outside the congregation. I'm telling you, obey this brother. Now I know, I know, we're not Roman Catholics. We're not bowing to a pope. We're not kissing the ream of a bishop. We're not saying whatever Father McGillicuddy says is so. I know that. We're, I started to say we're, we're Americans. <clears throat> uh, we're, we're not under, well, well, you are sort of under the throne of England. Anyway, anyway uh, uh, but, but, uh, but uh, we're, we're Americans. We're free. We, we don't submit to anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the Bible says obey your leaders. So let me tell you that, okay? Since he is telling probably the congregation of Jewish believers in Rome, guys, obey your leaders. Let me tell you. Don't make life worse for him. That's what the verse is saying. Don't make life worse for him. Uh, it says, "Why? for they keep watch over your souls. He's got to give an account. And let him do this with joy and not with groaning. <laughs> so let me say to you. No, no, uh, we don't kiss his ring. Of course not. But we are to submit to his leadership and the elders with him, of course. That submission is not always easy because you might disagree at times. And we are, we're, he's, he's Americans, we're you know, non-denominated, we're not, you know, Roman Catholics, you know, we are independent. I, we're not independent from the word of God and we're not independent from the leaders that God has put over us. So don't make his work harder. It's hard enough. Submit to him as he submits to the Lord. So that's the essence of my message today to the new preacher Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, forever. Whatever be the problem, whatever be the issue, Jesus never goes out of date. Preach Jesus. And the message to you is remember your leaders and obey your leaders. Recently, I've been writing some articles. You know, I've... I got a bunch of books and some of them are not for laymen. You know, they're academic books. But now that I've reached the age of 30, <coughs> 39, <coughs> I, I, th I think I'm going to cool uh, off on the academic books. I'm going to write books. As my wife says, honey, will you occasionally write a book for the rest of us? <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm going to give myself to be doing is writing a book for the rest of us. And so I've recently been privileged to, uh, to submit some articles to uh, focus on the family. They have a website that's geared towards pastors. It's called The Focused Pastor. And uh, I've, uh, I've been able to submit some articles to them. Uh, and they've encouraged me to, to continue to do that. I've written this one. I haven't submitted it yet. 
we'll take a vote on it from you and if you think it's worth it, I'll submit it. But it's a message for the pastor. You can never predict, pastor, what your sermon will accomplish. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. That's from Isaiah 45, 22, quoting from the King James Version, because the preacher on that day in 1850 was quoting from the King James Version. I'll read it to you. On a snowy January Sunday in 1850, a 15-year-old kid named Charlie Spurgeon was deterred by the blustery weather as he was walking to his own Baptist church in Colchester, England. The young man's heavy spirit matched the severity of the weather. In simple terms, he was miserable and unsettled about the condition of his soul before God. As he was trudging uphill that morning, he finally gave up on the grind of the snow and turned aside from Artillery Street to enter a tiny primitive Methodist chapel. He proceeded to sit alone in a pew on the left side of the sparsely attended meeting. The weather was so bad that the regular preacher to this modest congregation was unable to reach his own church that morning, that snowy Sunday morning. So a quote, unprepared, unquote, layman ascended the pulpit and bravely seized a text from Isaiah, the same one that was cited above. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Isaiah 45, 22. Now, he did not have time to prepare three points and a poem. So basically he said over and over, the Lord says, look unto me and be saved. Look unto me and be saved. And he looked over at this kid sitting right over there. And he saw the troubled look on his face. Spurgeon would later relate that the man, because he had no time to be thoroughly prepared, fervently repeated over and over the challenging words, look unto me and be saved, as he continued his repetitive but fervent exhortations. He finally looked directly, and I've, I've been in this chapel, I've sat in this pew. He looked directly at young Charlie, and he said, young man, look to the Lord and be saved. As he continued his repetitive but fervent organization, the lad looked to the Lord and he was converted that morning. The rest is familiar history to those of us who are Spurgeon fanboys, <laughs> and I'm among them. The flame that was lit in that young man's soul on that Sunday morning eventually became a powerful inferno. In two years, without any formal ministerial training, he would be preaching weekly in a small Baptist chapel in nearby Water Beach. I've been there as well. And two years after that, as word spread about the boy preacher from the Fens, Fens is a British term for swamps. Do they have the word Fens in Canada? <laughs> the boy preacher from the Fens. He would be preaching to urban crowds in the great metropolis of London as pastor of the new Park Street Chapel 
at 19. And 20 years after that, his weekly sermons would be devotedly read around the world, taken down by a stenographer, because they didn't have recordings, copied and sent out, read around the world. Without the help of modern radio, television, or internet, in 42 years after his conversion, following his passing as he was trying to recover from gout in Mentone, France, he would be lying in a coffin in his beloved metropolitan tabernacle. His earthly life would end in the throes of the awful pain of an enduring affliction of gout. On a plaque that was attached to his coffin were the words of the same text from Isaiah that originally brought him to the Lord. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. If you are a preacher, don't ever underestimate the power of a single verse in the proclamation of God's dynamic word. This amazing story is but one evidence that it's not the power of the preacher but the power of the preached word that yields fruit in people's lives. As Pastor David Hegg told me, God does the saving. All we preachers do is offer a few loaves and fish. I hope you understand the analogy with Jesus' miracle. And if you are a young person like that lad in Colchester, look to the Lord. Young man or young lady, he can be trusted to take you from where you are and lead you like Spurgeon, even through the bumps and grinds of physical challenges, to an abundant life, then eventually to join with Spurgeon in the realms of glory. You can never predict what your sermon will accomplish you never know who's in your congregation and who's listening to your words. You never know. So be faithful and preach the word. You know, I'm struggling with, to find a text. And I went between two texts. So here's the other one that I... But I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on it. I remember what you said. You ever heard of Archippus? You have? You've heard of Archippus? Go to the head of the class. Archippus. He was a pastor. He was a pastor of the church in Colossae. In Colossians 4.17, the apostle Paul said, Oh yeah, one more thing to Archippus. Your bishop overseer presbyter, whatever you're going to call him, pastor. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Dear brother, take heed to the ministry that you have received in the Lord that you might fulfill it. Fulfill your ministry as a good steward of Jesus Christ. I just forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. It's my age. Yeah, next year, 40, you know, I'm starting to. Yeah. 
Oh, I know what it is. Something personal to Pastor Chris. If my information was correct, you've probably been here since August 20th. My guess is that you're chomping at the bit to get started in the pulpit. And I understand that. When is this guy going to get out of here so I can get, over, get into that pulpit? I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Brother, this is the closest thing to a throne that you and I will ever get. Right here. So I'm turning it over your throne to you. This is, a, this is our throne. Closest thing. Not to issue dictates from, but this is where we do our job. This is where as spiritual kings to the ministry, we dispense to our congregation the word of God. So take this throne. And may God richly, richly bless you and your family, your adjustment. I made the adjustment from the East Coast. Dear sweetheart, excuse me for embarrassing you. I wasn't planning on saying this. When we came to California, we had a 17-year-old girl. She was the youngest of the three. She was straight A's. She was headed towards valedictorian in her senior year. She was a cheerleader. She was an all-star in field hockey. And now, we say, Linda, we're going to California for your senior year. You see? You see what I'm talking about? See what I'm talking about? It was too late to become a cheerleader her senior year. We arrived too late. They didn't have field hockey in Santa Clarita. And she's going from a class of 50 in her senior year to a class of 500. Valedictorian? And we said to Linda, Honey, we know this is going to be hard. We're willing to have you spend your senior year with our close friends who are going to the same school and join us later. I said, think about it. The next day, she said to me, no, Dad, that's the easy way. Let's go. And she gave up her field hockey. She gave up captain of the cheerleaders team. And she was one of three valedictorians in her senior class. First time she had ever gone to public school. And she led a gal to the Lord in a Bible study in that secular pagan school. She said, no, Dad, that's the easy way out. Let's go. She is not you and you are not her. But we understand the difficulty in making a move. Trust that God has led your parents to this. Trust God in that regard. And you'll blossom. 
in the way that he wants you to blossom. I wasn't planning on saying that. That's not in my notes. That's not in my notes. But I don't regret saying it. Father, thank you for the privilege that I have to prepare and speak to a congregation and also to a new pastor and his family. I hope I have not been out of order. May your grace be the portion of this daughter and this wife as they make the change. May your grace be the portion of this pastor as he proclaims that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And may your great grace be upon this congregation who remembers their leaders and who obeys their leaders. May this new chapter in the history of Church of the Canyons be one that honors you and reaches out to reach many people for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.